0: The love of God is greater far than Hey
1: everyone, this is Aaron. Episode 248 is special on many levels. First of all, my lovely bride Heather joins me for the first time ever on an unscripted episode. There's a reason for that. Heather works in the deaf culture. She has worked in this culture since graduating from college years ago. It is her passion, her love, and her heart. Today's guest is a man named Brad Minns. Brad is the subject of a book called Never Give Up and a film of the same name that releases in September. His story of winning a gold medal in what many call the greatest comeback in professional, collegiate, and Olympic history for tennis in 1985 is incredible, but that's not all. And it's why I'm recording this introduction. Our interview with Brad is incredible. Brad's entire life is incredible. The interview is long. And so I encourage you to break it up into smaller segments, press pause, come back to it. Brad has lived an extraordinary life. I am better today because I met Brad Minns earlier today. I promise you, you will be challenged and changed. Check out nevergiveupfilm.com and bradmins.com for this amazing new friend of ours. Please listen all the way through. Take it in segments. Hear his heart. Hear his story. Read his book. and See the film. Never give up film.com. It releases September 1st at the end of the day. Never give up. Now here's our interview with the incredible Brad Mins. All right, everybody. Welcome back to unscripted from my studios here in Hilliard, Ohio. This is a very special episode on many levels. First of all, my guest is amazing. His story is amazing. I can't wait for you to hear it, but there's a, A fourth, I guess, because he's also here with his wife, but there's a fourth member here in the studio, and uh, actually, she's upstairs, but for the first time ever on Unscripted, my wife, Heather, is joining us as well, and you'll hear why in a minute, but hey, Heather, welcome.
2: Hello. It's exciting getting to be on this other side of things.
1: (laughs) She always listens, but she's never been on an episode, but uh, Brad, welcome to Unscripted, and your wife, Jenny, welcome to Unscripted.
0: Thank you, guys. you. Well, right. it's great to be here today, and uh, I'm so grateful you got the captioning working.
1: That's right. That's right. So, Brad, let me tell you a little bit about Brad, and that may explain all the reason why we're all here today. But uh, Brad not only won a gold medal in the Deaf Olympic Games in 1985, in what is being called the greatest comeback in college, professional, and Olympic tennis history. He's also a model, an author, a speaker, a trainer, and a tennis coach. Did I leave anything out?
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, Former model. I've got gray hair now. If anybody wants to hire me, though, I'm happy to do it. And uh, (laughs) the the tennis match, though, is what we made a movie about. And so we're excited to talk about that today.
1: That's right. And I watched the movie yesterday. It was absolutely incredible. Um, I have Heather on with us today because Heather actually works with the deaf community. And so when, when we had this opportunity to interview you, it just made so much sense because she works every day with students who use FM systems. And, you know, the, the challenges that they have in school. And that was a big part of the film was some of those things. So, um, I'll, you know, I'll let Heather maybe ask a few questions first and then we'll
0: just, we'll keep chatting. Wow. That's great. I'm so excited to hear that.
2: It's so nice to meet you. I, um, am excited to, um, learn more about this movie and what it shares about you and, um, all that you've been through in life. Um, and don't you worry, I'm going to be sharing that with my students as well. They, um, Really, really key into deaf adult stories and um, what it's like for others, not just their age, but as they grow older. So, those models are very important for them.
0: Do you teach deaf kids that are um, lip readers or do they use sign language?
2: So, I've done both. I started my teaching career at the Ohio School for the Deaf as a teacher, and that's a fully signing environment. And currently, I work at a public school, and most of the students there are. Oral, uh, they don't they don't use sign on a, on a basis, but they may take American Sign Language as they get into high school.
0: Wow, that's great! You know, I'm from Ohio myself. I grew up in Toledo, Ohio. So, how far are you from Toledo?
2: We're about two hours from Toledo. I actually went to college at Bowling Green, so not far
0: from you. Did you really? Wow, mm-hmm. that's great! Yeah, that's just down the street.
2: My grandparents actually lived in the Maumee area in Waterville.
0: Did they? That's hmm. awesome. Um, we were almost going to show the movie at the uh, Maumee uh, Theater, the old-fashioned theater right there. yeah uh, Right now I think we're going to be showing it at um, the uh, Imagination Station downtown, beautiful, brand-new, state-of-the-art uh, theater right on the river. That'll be great.
1: So the movie itself, Brad, Just so people know, do you want to tell a little bit of your story and what the movie really walks through? Or would you like me to share that?
0: Sure. So, um, yeah, I grew up in Savannah, Ohio, and I lost my hearing when I was three years old. I got sick with a high fever and my parents had to make a big decision. They had to decide if they were going to mainstream me and teach me how to read lips and uh, um, speak orally or go to uh, sign language and take the deaf route with other deaf students. My mother decided, with my dad, I guess, (laughs) I was only three years old, but uh, they decided that I was going to learn how to read lips, and they put me in the mainstream. And it was very difficult. Um, There was not a whole lot of technology back in those days. Nobody really had any experience teaching a deaf person in uh, a public school. So everything was new. It was challenging. And uh, I didn't really enjoy going to school. It was always a struggle. Um, Understanding the teachers, dealing with uh, other children in the classroom, and uh, sometimes making uh, a fool of myself in conversations, talking about something nobody was even talking about. Um, So there was just a lot of different challenges uh, going that route. But the family, the support of my family is what really mattered. And, uh, they were always encouraging me, loving me and, uh, telling me not to give up. But, uh, when I was probably, uh, at a young age, my mother loved tennis. She loved watching Bjorn Borg and, and, uh, she thought tennis would be a great way for me to overcome some adversity and deal with other people, just get out and socialize. But, uh, you know, my favorite place was in my room, as you saw in the movie, yeah. in my room, that song. I wanted to stay there and just, uh, you know, avoid all the adversity, all the all the things I had to deal with in everyday life. But anyway, my mother got me into tennis, and uh, it was also hard. I was the worst one on the court, and we used to use these old wooden rackets here. Um, I had a jack trainer. This is Jenny's Chris Emmett Racket, but they're basically the same thing, just a different name on it. But um, tennis was a, a very difficult sport to learn with wooden rackets when you're a little kid and, and real balls. Today they have smaller sized rackets and NERF balls that make it so much easier. In fact, pickleball is now becoming real popular for right. families. Right. Uh, there's courts popping up everywhere because it's an easier game to learn. You don't need all these lessons. You just get out and start playing on the first day. But it was those lessons that I learned playing tennis and, uh, persevering and setting goals and just trying to get a little bit better each day and, uh, seeing that, uh, you know, you can overcome those challenges on a day by day basis. That, is, uh, that helped me to shape the person that I am today. So I'm grateful for those challenges and that adversity because now I have a testimony I can share with other people, encourage other people to go for their dreams and goals and not give up no matter how hard it is. Mm-hmm. But that's where I started in Somalia and uh, managed to get through school Started playing tennis in high school, made it to the varsity team as a freshman. And my senior year, I was playing number one, made it to state a couple times. Actually, we played in Cleveland at the state championships. Shaker Heights had a good uh, uh, team. I think we got beat by Shaker Heights in the semifinals of the state doubles championships one year. So after high school, I tried out for the University of Toledo tennis team at the walk-on. Had to play challenge matches, beat a lot of the guys that used to beat me growing up. Coach gave me a scholarship. And uh, one day after practice, I was coming off the court, and our tennis coach at the University of Toledo said, Hey, Brad, check this out. There's a newspaper clipping about that big advertising tryouts for the rural Games for the Deaf. And I thought, there is such a thing as deaf." Kenneth, I never met a deaf person until that uh, event. My dad and I decided to try out, see what it was all about. We went up to Death University in Washington, D.C. And when my dad and I got there, it was like we were asking for directions. And nobody could understand us. We couldn't understand them. It was our first experience in deaf culture. It's a whole different culture than I ever imagined. So. But I immediately fell in love with deaf people. There's just, uh, I just feel connected and close to deaf people because we have similar, uh, and a similar understanding because of the challenges we've had to overcome in a silent world. See, when I take my hearing aids out, I can't hear a thing. It's just <laughs> complete silence. I mean, it's great for sleeping at night and going through hurricanes, just take my hearing aids out, put them on the table, and I sleep like a baby. But when I put them in, I have some sounds, but uh, with those sounds, I have to look at a person's lips and put together a message. So I have the words and sounds that I can hear with these powerful hearing aids, and but I still have to read the person's lips in order to maintain a conversation. So I've, I've been lip-reading over the years, and uh, that started when my mom would pick me up after school, take me to, uh, first of all, she took me to Dutch, Dutch Pantry, where I just loved their onion rings. And that was a scene we tried to create in the movie when we went to that restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was eating an ice cream ice Sunday in right, right. the movie, but it was really onion rings that I just loved <laughs> back in those days. I don't think I've had an onion ring since then, but I used to love them when I was a kid. And then after we went to Dutch Pantry, we headed over to speech therapy. And I just had to sit there and listen to different sounds and pronounce my words. And uh, they taught me how to speak and pronounce words and hear different sounds like fire trucks and airplanes, just distinguish different things. when we get home, when I got home after speech therapy, you know, this is where I, uh, my learning began. My mother would make sure that I was caught up with everybody else in this classroom. She taught me how to read, make sure I could do my math problems. But uh, the most important thing for me was learning how to read books because I've fallen in love with books. I love books. I love to read. And I've always loved books and movies. So all my life my dream has been to someday have my own book and my own movie. And uh so that's later on in the story, but that's how it all began. It started with my close family helping me, encouraging me not to give up, and uh going to school was very difficult. Hmm. Yeah. During college, we played in uh, the Deaf Olympics. Um, I tried out for the team in uh, Galandet, and I played. I actually played the defending champion, uh, Jeff Osborne, during the tryouts, and uh, it, it was a, it was a pretty decisive win. so I thought I could beat everybody on our team, and I thought I could beat everybody else if he had won the gold medal before. So we get to the games and. Malibu, that Pepperdine University Malibu, but the deaf Olymp- world Games used to be called the World Games for the Deaf, and now it's called the Deaf Olympics. They were held in Los Angeles that year. One of the greatest experiences of my life, hmm. um, meeting all these deaf people from all over the world, everybody having a great time together, talking in a similar language with hands and facial expressions and things like that. It was amazing when I sat in the cafeteria at uh, UCLA cafeteria, you have hundreds of people all over the cafeteria and uh, it's just completely quiet. And you would hear like the drop of someone's fork or something like that. But like, if you go to a normal hearing cafeteria, you're going to hear laughing, right. talking, shouting, yeah. all this noise. But in the deaf cafeteria. It's just quiet. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. It's just <laughs> in a, a nice, nice environment. So, uh, yeah, I was in uh, UCLA. We stayed there. We played our matches at Pepperdine and make it to the finals. And there, sure enough, was Jeff Osborne, and my teammate and defending champion. Great college player from Texas, serving volley. Uh, so we started out and I thought it was going to be a quick match. My parents were supposed to be there from Toledo, Ohio. And uh, I always love having them, you know, watch me play. My cousin was supposed to be there too. Match started. They weren't there. And I lose the first step. Uh, they're still not there. I'm looking up at the hills, looking for them, trying to figure out where they're at. And I'm just trying to concentrate at the same time on the ball. And uh, I lost the second set. Oh, yeah, I haven't been down two sets to this guy before. And then he's up 5-0, 40-love in the third set. I'm in one point away from losing the match. And I'm like, ah, I beat this guy. What's going on? I wanted to win that match so bad. I really did. I, I, I thought about it. I visualized it. And I trained for it. I was prepared. Uh, I did everything I could. And I'm still losing. And then I tried the last thing I didn't try, and that's prayer. Now, I was not a born again believer at the time. That came later, about yeah. 10 years later at the gym. But I was always taught you should pray. And, uh, I didn't really know how to pray. I used to, I remember at Thanksgiving when people would say grace. And uh, I always said, I hope they don't ask me to say grace. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to do that. Please pass by. let <laughs> <And that's laughs> someone else do <doing>. it. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I really didn't pray uh, in public or anything. But uh, that day, I said a simple prayer. I said, God help me. That's all I did. I remember like it was yesterday. That's the only way I can explain coming back from Two Steps love. I mean, one point, one mistake. The match is over. He had so many match points, so many opportunities. And uh, so, you know, almost five hours later, I win the gold. Mom and Dad show up, and uh, they were glad that they didn't see that match because it would have been really hard to watch, you know, being down uh, two sets, 5 go. So, yeah, anyway, I won the uh, gold medal. This just happened to be... Starkey Hearing Foundation's first mission trip. Before the game started, Starkey uh, or Bill Austin, the owner of Starkey, and my dad kind of were going back and forth talking about sponsorship. And Starkey decided to sponsor me at the games. And they went one step further. They sponsored our whole team. And then they set up their whole mission trip right there in L.A. And they wow. that happened to be the first one. They gave everybody from around the world a free hearing test if they wanted one in a free wow. hearing aid. Wow. These things aren't cheap. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, special. So I'm in the gold medal. Beer from sponsored me. And 10 years later, I'm in a bodybuilding contest. <laughs> Cold right. for life. I'm actually doing it right now again. Try, the first time I tried to gain 20 pounds. This time I'm trying to lose 20 pounds. <laughs> I'm trying to get down into uh, my playing weight from the old days. So far I'm down five pounds. I got the book right here. Every day I look at it and uh, do the exercises and the eating part. So Bill Austin was our sponsor, and uh, 10 years later I find this. While I was modeling. I found out about this bodybuilding contest. If you win, the winner would get $50,000 and a contract with EAS. I'm meeting with Arnold Schwarzenegger, a black, a brand new Corvette. I'm like, ah, this is, this is everything I wrote down on my goal list. It's just <laughs> right here. And my goal list all here in one contest. So I trained as hard as I could never trained harder than that. I was focused. Determined. I just knew I could win it, and I wanted, got the money and the prizes, uh, driving around in this black Corvette. So it was at that time I met this guy at the gym, and he was always telling me I need to read the Bible. You know, I need to go to church. And, uh, you know, I had just moved from Toledo to Orlando, and I didn't know anybody. Awesome. All the only people I knew were those people at the gym. And uh, so I really didn't know anybody Meet this guy. I was his trainer. And uh, so I I had a Bible. I would look at it and uh, just didn't have any desire to read it. You know, I just just sitting there. I got so many Bibles over the years. (laughs) I could start a collection. And I remember growing up, we would go to tournaments all over Ohio uh, and the Midwest. And every hotel we stayed at. I would open the drawer to put my hearing aids in the drawer. And when I open that drawer, there's a Bible there. And I'm like, wow, this book is following me. Everywhere I know there's a Bible in the drawer. And now this guy's telling me I need to read the Bible. And uh, I didn't understand it. It It's long. It's a lot of words. I thought, "I, I don't have any desire to read this. But we all know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you don't hear the word, if you don't read the word, then how... Does your faith grow? It doesn't. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So it's important to read the Bible. And that was probably the greatest advice I've ever gotten from this guy. He said, Brad, read the Bible. Okay, well, I didn't understand it. I didn't have any desire. But I hung out with this guy and we worked out. Every day we worked out at the gym. He wore a t-shirt with the scripture. And on the back of the shirt, I'll be training them, you know, spotting them. And I'm reading the scripture, trying to focus on his wrist but reading the scriptures. So the word was getting into my life. It was getting into my heart and my mind. I didn't understand these things at the time. But there was a spiritual battle going on in my life. There's a spiritual battle going on in everybody's life. And uh, the flesh and the spirit were battling back and forth. And I'm like, oh, I'm being tossed and turned. And my mind was starting to get shaky. My heart, my confidence was all rattled, my self-confidence. And I didn't know what was going on. And, uh, but the word was getting into my life. That's what happens. Um, I started to realize that I was guilty of sins, I thought I was a sinner. The Bible says we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. And, I, and I'm and i like, oh, no. I'm like, the stress and the anxiety started <laughs> building up and I thought I was losing it. And I told my friend at the gym one day, after we worked out, I said, what's the matter with me? I just won these beautiful contests. I got a car, I got money, I got uh, some recognition. What, why am I all messed up? And I uh, He turned around, and on the back of his shirt was a scripture from Revelation. It says, Behold, I stand at your door, and I knock. And if you hear me knocking and open the door, I'll come in and dine with you and you with me. I knew God was speaking to me that day. The presence of the Holy Spirit was so strong, there's no denying that Jesus is alive. uh, (laughs) So that moment was the greatest moment in my life. So after I started sensing that dad was speaking to me, um, my friend turned around and he said, Brad, would you like to turn your life over to Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of your life? And I said, yes. I don't know what else to do. I mean, I was trying to get rid of these fleshly feelings. I tried drinking beer, tequila, I chewed tobacco. I played tennis. I lifted weights. All these worldly things didn't satisfy. They didn't get rid of that anxiety that I was experiencing. So I said, Yes, what do I have to do? So let's go in my car. It's just casual day at the gym, drinking a shit. And I'm like, You know, what's going on here? So we go into his car at rural gym, Altamont Springs. We get in there, and he's just smiling, taking his good old time. And then he turns over and he looks at me, Pray with me. Puts his hand on my shoulder, and I'm reading his lips. And uh, I just repeated the prayer. I said, Lord, forgive me. I'm guilty. Uh, please forgive me of my sins. And I made Jesus the Lord of my life. I'm crying like a baby. I just prayed a simple prayer. I invited Christ to come into my heart. And after I finished crying that day, phew, felt like I never felt my life. Just guilt-free, stress gone, anxiety gone. And uh, it was like just a... Phew, a good shower, a good bath, you know? <laughs> and uh, I go back home that day, and I opened up my Bible, and I started reading it. I couldn't put it down, and uh, I just kept reading it. And it was like, how could I miss this? How could I miss that? The place where I was living, i take a walk around the property, and it's like God was just revealing himself in, in a personal ways that I can't even explain, but it was just amazing. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus Christ after I um, uh, won that contest. And then I invited Christ into my heart. And that's my passion today. I wrote a book. You know, I now have a message to share. I wanted to tell everybody that uh, God loves them and He's got a plan for their life. I wanted to tell people that uh, Jesus already did all the heavy lifting. All we mm-hmm. got to do is receive it by faith and believe. That's about it. Um, so, man, I tried writing a book for years. Jenny will testify to that. Every year <laughs> I start writing, you know, I get to put it aside, put it in the closet, the stuff in the closet. New Year, set some goals, pull out again, all these you know notes i had written down, stories. I mean, I'm better at telling stories than writing stories. Uh, put it back in the closet. And then one year, my wife and I were invited to coach the United States deaf tennis team in Bulgaria. And I thought, man, I need to write this book. I need to finish this book so I can take it with us and pass it out. Because after I got born again and made Jesus the Lord of my life, the man that led me to the Lord said, Brad, let's pray and ask God that he'll reach the deaf somehow. And, uh oh, okay, so that's what we prayed. We finally finished this book, and uh oh, I got another story I just got to share with you about the book. We got the book written out. Now we need a cover for the book, right? So I had a friend working on some covers, and, uh, you know, there's that's pretty nice. That's nice. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, but nothing really popped. And then I get a phone call. And uh, the gentleman asking me to uh, meet with him about personal training, and so I met with him, and we started personal training, and we we're in the gym, right here in the garage, and we start working out, and we start talking, and I told him, "Man, I'm so excited! I finished my first book. It's a dream come true." And then he just said, "Hey, have you got a cover for?" Us? He asked me if I had a cover for it. I didn't ask him. And uh, I said, well, that's my next goal. He said, what do you want on the cover? And I pointed to a picture that we had on the wall that the gym that had that backhand shot from the 85 World Games for the Deaf. And uh, I thought, oh, maybe that picture there, some yellow and make it look like a tennis ball or something like that. So oh, that's nice. So we finished our workout. He leaves couple days later, he comes back and uh, he said, Hey, Brad, how's that? He opened up his phone, showed me the picture of this cover. And I'm like, that's it. <laughs> that's the perfect cover. I'm like, wow. I find out this guy, I didn't know much about him, but he has this huge marketing company right here in central Florida called Gravitational Marketing. And he's been my friend now for a long time. We trained for like seven years together. But uh, he put that cover together, and we put that on the book and um, took it with us to Bulgaria, passed it out to some of the deaf athletes there. And when we came back home, I continued to pass it out wherever I went. We always had books in the truck. It's it's just a very uh, quick read, lots of pictures, maybe a little thicker. Uh, So I kept them in the chest. <laughs> Put it in the truck, and uh, but it's got an important mas- message, and people can read it fast. Um, passed that up for many years, and along the way, people started saying, Hey, you should make a movie. I always wanted to make a movie, drink books, and movies have been my big thing. Um, just kept passing the book out, Hey, you should make a movie. Hey, you should make a movie. People started saying that, I just one, to like, there's several people. I got a letter from a lady at Starkey that said we should make a movie. So I wrote this down on my prayer request at my Thursday morning men's Bible study, and uh, I kept writing it down every week, writing it down every week. And then one day, someone in the Bible study said, "Hey, Ben, this is Guy from North Carolina. He comes to our Bible study every once in a while when he's visiting." His family here in Orlando, you should get together with him. He's a movie producer. He could help you. And, uh, well, yeah, really? Yeah, I've, I've talked to a lot of movie makers and, you know, people in the movie business, and I tried to write a screenplay, and I I, I actually trained a girl, and we traded screenwriting for personal training, which is still a lot of different things. So the book challenge was challenging. Now I'm making a movie. I don't know anything about making a movie except taking my my telephone and filming things like that. So we meet with this uh, producer from North Carolina. His name is Rick Eldridge. Uh, we had breakfast. Rick, his wife, Ginny, and I, and I gave Rick a book and I said, hey, Rick, people are telling me we should make a movie. And he's eating his breakfast, looking at the books, and just eating, and we go off our separate ways. Nothing happened. So I kept writing it down on my prayer request. And then uh, maybe a year, two years later, I can't remember, Rick and I, we get together again. And he said, Brad, I, I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but I know a guy in L.A. who would be great for the screenplay for this movie. His, he loves tennis. He loves the Lord. So he flies Rob Lowe from Los Angeles here to Orlando uh, to talk and to meet. And we all went out to dinner. Jenny and I, and Rick and his wife, and Rob, we all went out to dinner. And uh, we all sat down, and I noticed that Rob was looking at my wife. He's looking at her, and uh, I'm looking at him. I, uh, He said, I've heard a lot of great things about you. I said, her? Did you read my (laughs) book? Yeah, 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 I read your book. So that's not where I heard these things. So where did you hear them? You're in L.A. and we're here in Orlando. How did you hear these things? I walked into my Bible study and uh, I told all the men, I'm doing this screenplay for a deaf tennis pro in Orlando. How many deaf tennis pros are there in Orlando? Not a whole lot of deaf tennis pros. So someone in the Bible study out in L.A. said, is his name Brad Mintz? And and the guy said, yeah, how did you know that? So I worked worked with uh, his wife Jenny at Campus Crusade for Christ. He's the uh, head counsel in the legal department for True, and Jenny works in the legal department. So... I actually gave that attorney a book at a Christmas party many years before. And I said, you know, we like to make a movie. You're an entertainment attorney in L.A. Maybe you know a writer in L.A. that can help us make a screenplay. And they were sitting next to each other in a Bible study far away for many years. But it was all about God's timing, God's timing. And so I spent three days with Rob, the uh, writer just downloaded some information, and uh, he went out to visit the uh, tennis courts where we played the match just to get a feel and an idea of what it must have been like. And then a couple weeks, maybe three months, I can't remember, it wasn't long, he put together a screenplay like that. Wow, and I read the screenplays. This is great this is what I've been trying to do for so many <laughs> years, and he ripped it together in a couple of months. I'm like, man, it's all about having the right people do the right job. And uh, that's what's great about the body of Christ, having the right people right. that can all work together to accomplish more, rather than trying to, you know, do everything on your own. We can do so much more uh, together as a team. So Rob put together, and uh, Rick, they both worked on the screenplay, but, uh, the spring play was great. We started filming this movie in um, Lynchburg, Virginia, and Liberty wow. University <laughs> Film School. Wow, helped us with everything. Rick Eldridge, you know, the producer puts everything together. He's like the quarterback, and he just knows everybody. He knows all the the, the uh, parts, the pieces to making this happen. And uh, well, I went to the set to watch. Uh, the filmmaking experience, and I was blown away. This was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. I'm not, I told Rick, I don't know what's better, winning the gold medal <laughs> or watching myself win the gold medal. <laughs> I was just impressed. I was impressed with uh, how everybody worked together in such a professional way every single day. From early in the morning until the sunset at night, all day long, this team was on a mission to create something great for the Lord and for people to inspire and encourage and uh, share a message of hope. And um, just blessed with this team of people that Rick put together and Rob and uh, Liberty University, the filmmakers, professional filmmakers, for, uh, directors that came up to help. Just so many people involved that we're grateful for. And uh, when the movie was done, Ginny and I watched it the first time without closed captioning. I loved it without the closed captioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the you know, cinematography, everything was beautiful. The actors, the talent was great. But then they added the closed captioning, and I watched it again right here on this computer, and, uh, I turned up the volume real loud because the music is amazing. The background it music. It is. it is. That was done by Rob Pachtorf, who also did the uh, music for the Mulligan movie.
1: Yeah. He's
0: just a great composer. Great composer. And uh, I love that kind of stuff. When I'm reading here, I like the classical music, you know, instrumental music, because, uh, the singing music, it's hard for me to understand the words. I just like to hear the sounds, the tunes. That's why I like that uh, song in my room. In this yeah. scene, I'm in the bedroom, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: and uh, was- I turn around the Beach Boys, but I uh, never knew the words to that song. And uh, my brother used to come in and, and write down the words for me, and then I would lip sync my brother while I was listening to the songs. And that scene in the movie was so cool, powerful, yeah. And I think people will like that scene and uh, yeah, it'll be uh, you know inspiring for them. So um, after I won that gold medal in 85, uh, and I got born again, I'm going to church with my wife. And one day we went to church, and a pastor said at the end of his sermon, you know, it's not about personal gain and selfish ambition. It's about what you can do for others. I remember that sentence. And so while we were driving home, I started thinking about the 85 year games for the deaf. And uh, you know, uh, I was wondering, did I ever thank Bill for that uh, sponsorship for the hearing aid that uh, helped, helped me so many years in life? So I wrote down a, a thank you note. On, uh, I think it was a, a pager or something. So not long after I sent that thank you note, I get a message back from Tanny, Bill's wife, said, Why don't you come up here and thank him in person? Mm -hmm. And wow. So they flew, Jenny and I, to Minnesota and they had the huge gala in downtown Minneapolis in the stadium. There was everybody there, I mean, athletes, astronauts, businessmen, just all kinds of people. And then Deaf Olympic champion over <laughs> we there, and uh, I said, uh, "Hey, Lord, you know what can I give Bill Austin for what he thought, he's done you all know that he's done for me?" And the Lord said, "Give him the golden medal." Yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, thank you. And uh, so uh, I called my mother, because the medal was that in Toledo. And I said, "Ma'am, I'm going to give the gold medal to Bill Austin. Can you send it oh. overnight?" And uh, she said, "Oh, honey, we just moved into a new home, and there's boxes all over the garage. It's going to be so hard to find it." I said, "Well, we got to find it." And uh, so we hung up. And I said another prayer. And I said, "Lord, please help my mother find this gold medal uh, real, you know, easily." So my brother and my mother went to that garage called back not long after that and so we found it in the first box we opened so send it overnight they sent it overnight and uh i got that medal in the mail and i was like wow there it is i haven't touched it since 85 because you know it was in a glass frame and uh well actually it wasn't in a glass frame but i still hadn't touched it i get that gold medal and I. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in prayer. Whatever you're going to do, you should pray and ask God. Because when you pray and ask God, you know, his answered prayers are always better than you can do on your own. So I said, Lord, please help me find a way I can get this framed up. And, uh you know, to Bill Austin, in a very short time, like a week, three days, I'm not sure how much time we had. and uh, But we didn't have much time. But as I went, to the frame shops and stuff like that. He just led me to this uh, perfect place, and they wrapped it up in a beautiful gold frame. I found a nice scripture. God loves a cheerful giver. And uh, just the way that settled up was just like, man, this is so nice. And then just as they, I was about to sign off, the guy hands me a pen A golden pen, you know, left. I found a golden pen. It could have been a white pen, it could have been a pink pen, it could have been any color pen, but he just grabbed a gold pen. I mean, and so I signed my name, uh, you know, on the letter, the thank you letter that's in the book that I sent to Tanny, uh, thanking them, you know, for all they did. I signed it with a gold pen. And then we got it all put together. And uh, I said, Jenny, how are we going to get this up to Bill? Should we overnight it? And uh, we thought, no, I don't think we should do that. It could get broken, maybe. Then we lost. So, oh, okay, we'll just carry it up. <laughs> so we we carried it to the airport. We go through security. People are looking at us funny because we got this huge frame, <laughs> of metal. Uh, a lot of people have little pack on bags like that. And we got this huge frame. And, uh, I well, want get up to rear, you have to go through, uh, to get on the plane. And the guy, the steward said, Oh, where do you think you're going with that? And I said, we're going to Minnesota to give this big gold medal to Bill Austin. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. I don't think so. And, uh, I said, well, <laughs> I think so. We're taking this medal up to Minnesota. And he was just not letting us on the plane with it. And then wow. the nice uh, stewardess has come over. And said, "Oh, we can put it in the back of the plane. We'll take care of it for you. Oh, praise the Lord. Thank <laughs> you. And so we put it in the back of the plane. And we get up there. And we land. And uh, there was a driver waiting for us. And he said, you know, it was late at night. It had to be about 10 o'clock. That's late for me. (laughs) (laughs) I go to bed like 7 o'clock at night, and I get up at 4 in the morning. So 10 o'clock is a little past my bedtime, you know, but that's okay. We get there at 10 o'clock, and uh, the driver said, would you like to go to Bill Austin's house? He's having a big VIP party, or do you want to go to the hotel? Well, I said, we want to go to the party. We want to give him this gold medal. So he takes us to the party, and uh, we pull up. There was cars lined up a mile down the road, and then he drops us off. They had tents all over the place, A huge mansion, Bill Austin's private home, and the Osmonds were playing on the stage, and there was, uh, you know, I saw the incredible Hulk, Lou Igno. Wow. Uh, and, uh I said, "Hey Lou, you're looking pretty good there." Say, "I want to look like you, Brad. You must have saw my (laughs) Muscle Media magazine or something." I said, "I said, don't give." (laughs) 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 So we get there, and we're carrying this gold medal around the house. And Jenny said, "Brad, just leave it in the car. You know, give it to him at another time." And, uh, you know, we were only three years into our marriage at that time. But over the years, whatever Jenny says now, (laughs) I've learned to listen. I'm a better listener since I've been married. And uh, so we put it back in the car, and then we go back in. And there was Bill Austin standing talking to uh, Michael Bolton. And I saw the back of Bill's head. His old white hair, you can recognize him from a mile away. Even back in 85, he had a nice head of white hair, and uh, it still looked like that. So we go up, and I uh, tapped him on the shoulder, and he turns around. He said, oh, Brad, I didn't know you were coming. And you want to know what the first thing he said was? He's looking in my ear. He's leaning over, looking in my ear. and said, what in the world is in your ear? You know, I had a bigger hearing aid on. I said, oh, they're Starkies, of course. And I said, oh, Brad, Brad, you need to come and see me tomorrow morning, first thing. I've got something better for you. Oh, okay. And then he introduced us to Michael Bolton. And then he said, Michael, I'm going to give Brad and Jenny a little tour through our house. And So Bill hadn't seen him since 85, stops what he was doing, and he takes Jenny and I for a whole tour. All over the house, which was really nice. And uh, so the next morning, Jenny and I were waiting in the lobby for a ride to the Starkey Center of Excellence. And uh, one of the Osmonds was supposed to pick us up. Justin Osmond is the nephew of Merrill Osmond from the Osmond Brothers. Wow. And we uh, never met before, but an Osmond, uh, I had a kind of idea what he might look like. So as anyway, we were sitting on the sofa, and here comes this energetic, good-looking guy with a big smile, He's looking around, and I went up, that must be him. And I said, Justin Osman He said, yes. And I said, Brad, men's from Orlando, Florida, and this is my wife, Jenny. We're we're ready to go to the Center of Excellence. He said, that's great. But before we go, let me just show you. We had the gold medal and. uh I said, Justin, we have this gold medal. We'd like to present this to Bill. as a thank you. And he looked at it, and he got down on his knee, and he said, this is so beautiful. Bill's going to want to put this in his bedroom. And so he gets on his phone, and he's calling Kenny, and he said, Kenny, I'm here with Brad and Jenny, and he's got this beautiful framed gold medal from the 85 uh, World Games for the Deaf. And uh hung up and then said, let me take this. And so you took the medal. We go to the Center of Excellence, they boost you up with new hearing aids. They they clean your ears, they give you a hearing test, and then they go on their computers to see what kind of frequency will help you the best. But due to my hearing loss, the severity of my hearing loss, I become, you know, uh, quite a celebrity at Starkey. They said, oh, just jack him up with as much power as you can, because he doesn't need any of those frequencies. Just load it up and ship him out. <laughs> so they're jacking up all this power in my ear, and uh, that's all they can do. Um, but I'm grateful for the sound. So we got some new hearing aids, and then that night was the gala. I have no idea what's going to happen and how I'm supposed to thank Bill. So we have, I got this tuxedo on. Jenny's looking real nice in her dress. And uh, we get all dressed up. They pick us up and they put us in the front row of this gala. These are like $150,000 tables. And we're like, "Ah." wow, sitting here in the front row and music and all kinds of great entertainment. And then someone's nudging on my jacket. I look over and this guy's saying, Are you Brad Mins? I said, Yeah, so let's go. You know, in the middle of the song, they so pulled me out. And I am walking real fast behind the stage, and they put me in a chair. And uh, I'm sitting in the chair wondering what I'm supposed to do now. I don't hear anything. You know, I have to read lips. And uh, even though I have hearing aids on, I hope they didn't forget that. So they're talking away on the stage, and uh, I don't know what they're talking about. I'm just sitting there waiting to see what I'm supposed to do next. And another guy's holding on my jacket. I said, yeah? Are you Brad? I said, yeah. Yeah, i on the stage. And they throw me out on the stage. And I'm looking around. <laughs> all all the people I saw on MTV and actors are standing there. And I'm like... And there's all these heads of people looking straight up. I have no idea what I'm supposed to do, you know. But there's Bill standing at the podium. And I just walked up. And... Uh, he said, hi, Brad. <laughs> said, hey, Bill. And, uh, okay. Uh, thankfully, I was able to just start sharing a story, how I met Bill and about a little bit about the medal. And I said, thank you, you know, for everything you've done. And I gave him the gold medal. And it was a great, great uh, um, evening, a great moment, God-inspired moment. But that gold medal has been around... And then when we started making the movie, we needed props. <laughs> we had to have props. Hearing aids from like the 60s, the 70s, right, the 80s, and you know, all the way up. And the only, way, the only place to get those is Bill Austin and Starkey. And so, you know, Bill Austin was celebrating their anniversary birthday in Hawaii or I don't know, somewhere off in the world. And I'm like... Texting Tanny and texting Bill and hey, we're making a movie. I gotta get props. And uh no, there nothing really happening. And uh but one day Bill called the house. Bill Austin I'm looking oh Bill Austin. Oh Jenny here. It's Bill, it's Bill Austin <laughs> called the house. And uh so she gets on the phone and and uh it's Bill and Jenny uh, said to Jenny, I said, tell Bill, you know, I need props for the movie. And then Bill said to Jenny, Jenny, just tell Brad to calm down. Deaf people worry <laughs> about this, worry really about that. Tell them to calm down. Forget we'll them as props. He said, how are his hearing aids? <laughs> he's still he cares about is how your hearing aids and how your hearing is. He's so passionate about hearing. Yeah. I mean, he's been doing this his whole life. Still, on the phone, how are my hearing aids? Oh, they're great. Okay. Now, what about the props? Well, <laughs> she said to Jenny, he said, tell Brad to get me in my office. I want to make him some new hearing aids, and uh, we'll put some props together. And then I said, well, Bill, you we start filming like two days from now, and the Lynchburg Airport is so small. I've been looking for flights. I might have to go to Washington, D.C. and drive down because there's hardly any flights into Lynchburg. And then Bill goes, hey, Jenny, did I tell Brad to calm down, calm down? <laughs> and uh, so I calmed down. I went up there to Minnesota, and there's another director from L.A. And I uh, said, Bill, how are we going to – well, actually, this happened before while we were talking on the phone. Bill said we could borrow his plane – to fly into Lynchburg, plane, you serious? He's got his own (laughs) shit and everything. I said, oh, wow, that's cool. So when we got there, we got the hearing aids, we got the props, we got the other director from L.A., super nice guy, and Bill came with us with the gold medal. (laughs) Because the gold medal in his office (laughs) or on the plane with the gold medal. Bill Austin, the director, myself. First time on a Learjet flying into Lynchburg, and I was supposed to share a little bit of my story with the Liberty University film students. But I got Bill Austin with us here, and he loves to talk. And so (laughs) we got there, and I I introduced everybody to Bill Austin, and I said, he's going to tell you a little bit about the story. So he talked. And uh, after his talk, he stayed around and he talked to the students for some more time. And then after that, we all went out to dinner at the uh, Virginian and Lynchburg Beautiful Hotel with a top floor restaurant. Um, then after we finished eating, we go downstairs into the banquet room and he showed some of the actors, the producer, the writer, how to make hearing aid molds so that we wow. can do it for the m- movie. And he found out that one of the director's wife is deaf and we have hearing aids. And uh, so he flew her back to his shop in Eden Prairie, Minnesota, made her some hearing aids and flew her back out of his plane. Wow. I mean, if you have a plane, you should have. You don't know, use it. Huh? <laughs> it's good it. it I would love to have a plane. But That's the right. car is good for now. And uh so she got them here and we got them props. Bill had a great experience sharing with people at Liberty. Everybody had a great time and uh we're excited about Never Give Up coming out September first with our Orlando premiere, August 29th. And uh, we'll have another premiere August thirty first, and where I grew up in Toledo, the Imagination Station. So that's where we are right now. That's pretty much the whole story. (laughs) It is. It is.
1: That was amazing. Amazing story, Heather. I've seen the film. You haven't seen it yet. Um, Mm -hmm. What What are your thoughts? Just hearing that whole story.
2: God has led you on an amazing journey throughout your life, hasn't he?
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you. He sure has. I'm, I'm blessed I'm grateful for everything that he has done in my life. And when I got born again um, and I started reading the Bible, the, the thing that I learned is that having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ is the most important thing anybody can have. And I take my relationship with him seriously by putting him first every day. That's why I like to get up early. I like to get up early and uh, read the Bible, listen, pray, and then I take my walk. I try to encourage people to, you know, to have that personal relationship with Jesus. It's everything. Everything we do here on earth matters. It has eternal consequences. What we do here matters. We're investing not just in this life, but in eternity. And uh, my favorite verse when it comes to training, because I'm a personal trainer and a tennis coach, is uh, physical training has some value. I mean, you take care of your body. The temple of the Holy Spirit it has got some value. Uh, You might win a contest. Who knows? But spiritual training has far greater value because it has benefits not just in this life, but the life to come. Spiritual training. So what I've learned in physical training, it takes daily dedication, it takes discipline, it takes perseverance. And that's the same thing with spiritual training. Daily dedication and uh, getting the word into your heart, into your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your mind every single day. There's so much coming at us every day through TV, through movies, through radio or whatever. But we have to make sure we're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he leads us through this life. And that takes uh, daily dedication and and reading the Bible and listening, really listening. Sometimes I feel like I hear better when I take my hearing aids out and it's nice and quiet and I can really hear because you don't have all the distraction. But uh for someone that can hear, my advice would be you know turn off everything, turn off mm-hmm. all these radios and TVs and everything, and just get in your chair and learn to listen to what God is saying through his word on a daily basis. Amen Praise <laughs> mm-hmm. you know
1: there's so many things that we have in common and the fact that we're all on this call today is it's not a surprise to me based on a lot of what you've already said um we have a dog that we adopted in the last uh, three or four months that is deaf and it's it's been an experience for me uh to have a dog that can't hear and and the way that our dog uh, lives her life and, and interacts with us uh, is so interesting because our other dog had passed. And so they're they're very different. And so we're learning a lot. But uh, obviously, Heather's profession, um, she is very much into uh, fitness as well. And then the most incredible part that I have to tell oh, you wow. is in four weeks, our daughter is going to attend Liberty
0: University. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. i <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. That's great. That (laughs) place is beautiful. I love there. I had never been there before, but uh, it's beautiful. What a great campus, great people, great film school, too, and they have a great tennis team. And uh, actually, this past uh, football season, Liberty played Toledo University. That's right. I can't remember what bowl game it was. But that place is really nice. She's going to love it. And uh, it's For the deaf dog, that's amazing. We love dogs. We had a dog for 16 years named Honey Bear. Jane named her Honey Bear. And and, uh, she was just, I've never had a dog before. When I was growing up, my mother wouldn't let us have a dog because of the hair shedding and all this. But my dad loved animals. He's an outdoorsman and all that. So one time, My uncle called my dad and said, Hey, because he knows how to handle animals, wild animals, snakes, and this and that. Could have had his own Wild Kingdom show. (laughs) He calls my dad and said, Hey, we got a raccoon in our trash can. Can you help us? And so my dad goes down. He puts his, you know, uh, jacket on, his military hat, and all this. He goes down there and he brings the raccoon home. (laughs) And uh, so that's that's a pet. We had a raccoon for, for you know several years. It was a great pet. And when it got bad we we took him to the woods and let him go. Then we had a parrot, an alligator, just about everything, but a dog. <laughs> an alligator. But, uh, I can't imagine having a deaf dog would be really interesting. And it's, uh, yeah, that's just amazing. They they depend on you for right. you know a little bit more to be able to get around and, and yeah, hearing things, cars coming by and stuff like
1: that. Right. Right.
0: So. That's that's that'll be a great experience for you.
1: Yeah. Well, this has been absolutely amazing. Heather, is there anything else you want to say before we uh we before we get the links and let them go?
0: Brad, I
2: just appreciate your story and I appreciate your heart. I really appreciate the fact that you mentioned your adversity in school growing up. I see that often in my students as well. And how you're thankful for that adversity and what it taught you. We also have a daughter that functions with a disability, and she says the same thing about her adversity. And I think if we choose to see it that way, uh, we're going to be successful in in whatever we do.
0: Amen. Amen. And uh, it's all about the family. Without a strong family unit, it's very difficult uh, Mm -hmm. to thrive uh, here in school. So you two are phenomenal (laughs) <laughs> and uh you're doing a great job keep up the great work so many things that um uh you can do, I mean, for someone that's deaf growing up, number one, when they fail, just love them and you know, encourage them. I used to get C's and D's. My dad came up with this thing, oh, F is for awful, B is for bad, C is for crummy, D is for Danny, and F is for fantastic. So <laughs> literally. <laughs> 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 He's always making me feel good after I messed up or failed. He wouldn't make me feel like a failure. He's always an encouraging person, and, uh, that's good. I mean, to encourage people, we should always be encouraging, no matter you know, how much they mess up. I got in a car wreck one time. I did something stupid. I'm driving my car and I back it up, and uh, that'll light, trying to get it in the other lane, and bam, I hit another car. And I thought, oh, man, my dad's going to kill me for doing this. He's going to kill me. And I, I had to face the music, so I go over to my dad's office and uh, I go in, I sit down. and I'm, ready to confess. <laughs> and, I said, and he said, what's the matter? And I said, well, I, I backed up into this car, and I smashed up the back of the car, a nice Mustang or whatever it was I was driving. And he didn't yell and didn't get mad. And so I'm so glad you came to tell me that. We'll take care of it. just have to, you know, you know, watch me go next time. Just so you know, in a way he was able to teach me lessons without putting me down and making me feel like a failure because I failed and failed and failed and failed so many times. And uh, it's through all those failures that we learn and grow if we have the right people around us and to encourage us and uh, push us forward. I think that's why uh, when I said to my wife, Jenny, I said, Jenny, we're at church learning about our different gifts and stuff like that. she said, Brad, you have a gift of encouragement. And uh, oh, okay. And so I, I feel better when I'm encouraging someone. I said, that must have come from my parents when I was growing up. They were always encouraging me. So keep up the great work, keep encouraging, and uh, let's make this world a better place.
1: You can find the movie at nevergiveupfilm.com. Is that right? Nevergiveupfilm.com.
0: Yes, that's right, NeverGiveUpFilm.com. And uh, we just they just put up the um, theater location. So if you click on theaters and you type in your zip code, it'll take you to a uh, theater close by, wherever your zip code is. And they're still uploading more theaters. There'll be over, they say over 300 theaters nationwide. Wow. And
1: you can also go to BradMins, M-I-N-N-S.com and get all the things that you are doing besides so the book, the film, and a lot of the things that you've talked about in this interview. BradMins.com, correct? That's right. All right. All right. Well, I get down to Orlando quite often for another friend that I have that lives there, so I'm going to have to bring Heather with me next time, and we're all going to have to get together and, and hear more stories.
0: That would be great. We would love to see you guys. It's where uh, I was teaching tennis at San Lando. And after I met Jesus at the gym, I spent a year in my room reading the Bible. And then I thought, you know, I'd like to meet my wife. And uh, so I prayed and I asked God for the wife that He had for me. I knew what to look for now. I wanted a girl that was beautiful outside and inside, someone that loves Jesus first and that could help me to grow in my walk with the Lord. And, and I stopped going out. I stopped going downtown with my friends. I just stayed home reading my Bible. And about a year later, I go into the tennis club and the lady said, Hey, Brad, there's a wonderful Christian lady in your cl- uh, tennis class. You should ask her out. And so I asked Jenny yeah. out and uh, that's how we met on the tennis court. So tennis is a, has been a blessing to me. It's taken me around the world. It's given me a college scholarship. It's helped me overcome adversity. It's bought me my wife. We got a movie. So praise the Lord for the game of tennis. Just to all those pickleballers out there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's great. Well, Brad, you have, you have brought joy and encouragement into my life today. I'm sure I probably speak for Heather when we say thank you so much. Thank you for the film. Thank you for everything that you're doing and your spirit and sharing your story with the rest of us.
0: Well, thank you very much. And thank you for what you're doing as well. Thank you for the opportunity to share the story. And we pray that God blesses your ministry and your show and your family and everything that you do. We love you. And we thank you for this opportunity.
1: Well, we love you as well. And you can always come back and tell more stories. You're always welcome back.
0: That'd be great. Thank All you. Right.
1: God bless. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of The Unscripted Podcast. Please remember to like and share. We'll be back soon with another amazing guest. But until then, remember to live each day unscripted.